Hear the word of our Lord from James chapter 2, beginning in the 14th verse. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. And I mean it. Thanks be to God. This is Holy Scripture. If the words James and 2 put dread in your heart, if you hear the words James chapter 2 and immediately you begin to feel combative, you're wrong. This is Holy Scripture. This is treasure given to us by our God for our spiritual edification, for building us up in the Christian faith. Even Martin Luther of Epistle of Straw fame, right? That's something your Catholic friends might throw out there at you. Ah, Martin Luther believed James didn't belong in the Bible. Well, no. Martin Luther translated James into the German translation of the Bible, and even towards the end of his life, he was preaching on it. If Martin Luther, the guy who initially called the Epistle of St. James the Epistle of Straw, if that man made his peace with this chapter, so should we. Now, why am I bringing this up? It is incredibly important. There is an ugly, sneaky, disease-like heresy that has begun to spread around in Lutheran churches, especially confessional Lutheran churches. And it has been wreaking havoc upon us ever since the first theologians began to espouse it. I'm going to call it passivity, the heresy of passivity. Faith is supposed to be active. St. James teaches us that your faith must be a faith that works. That is necessary. The formula of concord concurs that works are necessary. They are a necessary fruit of salvation. Let's not get it twisted. You are not saved by your works, and your works do not play a role in your salvation. St. James is not saying that works play a role in your salvation. 
but they are incredibly, incredibly important. For a very long time, at least since the days of Gerhard Farda in his heyday, there have been theologians trying to chip away at the very concept of a living faith with this doctrine of passivity. They are trying to kill your faith. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. How does this begin? It starts with uh, some simple logic. Hmm. I don't play a role in my salvation. I don't even come to faith by my own power. Faith is a gift from God. Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We are brought to faith working through means by the Holy Spirit drawing us in. This is most certainly true. And for that matter, I don't earn the forgiveness of my sins. God baptizes me, not the guy putting water on my head. Well, that's true. That is absolutely true. There is a passive role there for the believer. Now, I receive the sacrament. I don't actively engage with Christ's body and blood outside of merely listening to his invitation, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus says take and eat, we take and eat. Everything else that happens at the Eucharist, the forgiveness of sins, the refreshing and the strengthening of faith, everything, all of the mercies and promises of Christ, including eternal life from John chapter 6, as we see, all that's him doing it. Yep, that's true. All I do is receive. So what does the Christian faith look like to the theologian as he begins this logical path? He starts off saying, okay, we are passive when we are brought to the faith. We are passive in the sacraments. Uh, what else do we do? Well, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Oh, but wait, 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 wait. You know, I can't love my neighbor without God making me love my neighbor. After all, good works really don't come from me. So uh, let's... Let's table that. We don't need to preach that third use of the law type stuff in our sermons here. After all, if I try to say that, well then, maybe I've uh, led some souls astray. We, we really need to focus on the law and the gospel. Ah, they get to their next logical step here. Walter says that the law terrifies souls. The gospel soothes them. The law brings us to the knowledge that we need a savior. Uh, that's true, absolutely. But then the gospel is the one that provides that savior. Okay. And then we tell people to believe, mostly knowing that they can't believe by themselves. So the pastor's job at that point is to tell Lutherans they're bad and then tell them that Jesus is good. And if we do this right, we emotionally manipulate Christians into believing more. Or at least, we hope that the Holy Spirit will do that manipulation for us. And then maybe good works just sort of happen. You know, we'll just hope that that's the case. And we're going to have to be very, very careful to make sure that if they start coming up to us talking about doing good works... Mm, we want to be on our guard here for any Roman Catholicism sneaking in through the back door. You know what we need to do is we need to discourage that. And if they start doing a little bit too much, if they sound a little bit too zealous, well, we need to put a stop to that. Lord knows, these people need to be passive and 
everything. That's the logical line of thought being pursued by quite a few confessional Lutheran theologians, to the point where doing things is nearly anathematized. They believe that the entirety of the Christian life is more or less just waiting around to die. How have they seen the doctrine of the two kingdoms? Oh, well, the church should not be involved in political matters whatsoever. We don't even witness to the truth what is good and bad because that violates our proper station. In fact, the Christian shouldn't really be trying to influence politics from a Christian standpoint because that's just nasty. That's ugly. You know what? That's that Christian nationalism stuff that I've heard about. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to condemn it and say that it's dangerous. That's what a lot of our theologians are saying. Oh, the theology of the cross? Man, you know, bad stuff happening is just something you need to accept. Don't ever fight against bad things, because you're supposed to just suffer every single wrong and be a complete doormat. You need to be more passive. Be passive. Stop moving. We need more passivity here. We need a feminized church that rolls over and plays dead when the world tells it to. Because we're confessional Lutherans, you see. Do you see why I'm calling this heretical? It is taking the Christian life as characterized by Holy Scripture, and it is throwing it in the trash. There are many Lutheran theologians and pastors out there today that if they saw St. Stephen condemning the Pharisees as they're encircling him in their white-hot rage, they would side with the Pharisees and start throwing stones. Because how dare St. Stephen break the doctrine of the two kingdoms by witnessing to people that what they did was bad. <laughs> the moral judge really needs to be the state. In fact, you can't even defend yourself if somebody attacks you. Lay down and die because the state's job is violence, not you. Don't ever preserve yourself or engage in violent self-defense. We look at the large catechism and the new annotations and everything and how so many people, so many laymen, rose up and said, we cannot abide by this. Why do you have an ELCA theologian who says that Jesus sinned? Yes, he blasphemed like that. Why do you have an essay from that guy? Why are you in fellowship with him? Uh, on paper, you're not in fellowship with the ELCA. Why are you doing this? Tons of laymen rose up and fought against this to the point where the president of the Missouri Synod put it on pause for a moment. He went to Concordia Publishing and said, hey, we need to review this real quick. But then within a few days, before you know it, oh, there it is. They're going full steam ahead and they see nothing wrong with this new catechism. Why? Because you did something, beloved. And you weren't supposed to. You are supposed to sit there, lay down, don't do anything, be passive. This is why there are theologians out there on Twitter that will be so brave in talking about how X ideology or Y activity is bad. But then the moment you start doing something about it, they condemn you as being overly zealous. They want you to be passive. It's one thing to say something is bad, but you're not supposed to do anything about it. That means you're missing out on the theology of the cross, right? <laughs>
you're supposed to sit there and take whatever the culture in the world throws at you. Don't influence society. Don't be quote-unquote missional. Don't do evangelism. You're supposed to just let your church die. Let it age out. Let the building get sold to, I don't know, some Islamic group or something like that. Because the real job of the church isn't being a hospital where sinners go to be refreshed, to be healed. No, 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 no. The pastor is not a doctor serving Jesus Christ. The pastor is supposed to be a hospice nurse making sure that you die quietly. The Bible says we should be bearing fruit for God. St. James says that we must be doing good works. But the heresy of passivity that has infected all of Lutheranism, especially confessional Lutheranism, tells you that when you do stuff, that threatens your salvation. They don't think you're actually Christian when you want to influence the culture around you. That makes you an ugly little goblin trying to ensure that there's pure doctrine in your churches and that the churches are engaged in actual good works in the communities around them. This is one of the reasons also, by the way, that so many of our churches have a few missionaries that they pay so they can do full-time ministry in a country you can't pronounce because it helps you be more passive. Because you're not going to do evangelism when you have that sneaking feeling in the back of your mind that, oh, the missionaries got that. Oh, the Board of Christian Education, they've, they've got some of that stuff. Oh, the evangelism board, yeah, they've got it. I don't have to do anything whatsoever. After all, I mean, they said we have a school, so it's fine. People will just flock to my church, right? Here's what Luther says about good works. God wants all our works to be our own and not those of the taskmaster, of the law, of death or hell or heaven. That is, we are not to do them merely because we fear death or hell, but because we love heaven, but because our spirit goes out freely in love of and delight in righteousness. For he who does a good work because he fears death or hell, does it not for the honor of God, but on behalf of death and hell, and his act is a work of death and hell. For they have enforced it, and only for their sakes does he do it. Otherwise he would have left it undone. Therefore he remains a slave and servant of death and hell with all such works. But if he remains a servant of death and hell, he must also die and be damned, and the fate of the proverb must overtake him. He who fears hell goes to hell, and again, trembling does not help against death. Your good works should come from a place of love. Even Luther says, do good works. Because it is a place of love and out of real love for righteousness, do you love righteousness, then do good works. This should influence the culture, even if the culture is absolutely damnable. That is all the more reason the church should be standing up and condemning the evil around it. Duh! Even Luther did. That was a big part of his job as a reformer. But a lot of Lutherans out there today don't think Luther was very winsome. So they're trying to distance themselves from him. They should stop calling themselves Lutheran. And no wonder they feel such disdain for good old Doc Martin. He says that it's good to do good works even in the eyes of the world. 
What does he say? If then there are passages in Holy Scripture which seem to teach that we must render satisfaction through works, apply such passages to worldly relations in the home or in temporal government. Commend them to fathers and mothers, but do not make such works be a payment for your sin before God. Here there is no bearing and paying. The lamb bears everything. So even Luther agrees that you do good works before men as commanded in Holy Scripture. And this is advice that should go into preaching. St. James is 100% right. People are going to look at you and go, oh, you have great faith. Well, I have works. Show me your faith alone? Fine. I'm going to show you my faith by my works. That is vindication. That is the essence of what St. James is saying in James chapter 2. The Lutheran church has lost this. We have forgotten that faith ought to be triumphant. It ought to be alive and active in the world and in spite of of the world. But so many Lutheran institutions right now have adopted the doctrine of passivity to this psychotic degree where if somebody gets into their seminaries and starts teaching, say, blatant liberal Christianity or outright political leftism, they will submit to it because to actually protest against that or do anything about it is icky because Christians aren't supposed to do stuff to them. Lutheranism is supposed to be the hot car on a summer day. You are supposed to be the dog that's locked inside. You are Terry Schiavo. They just removed the feeding tube. This is honestly how it is right now. And when people rise up to try to put a stop to that so they can have living faith once more, these people will try to destroy you. And this is why the Catacomb Synod exists, by the way. Since there are people getting kicked out of their churches, there are people getting condemned in the public square that are just fighting for real Christianity. And maybe they're not winsome. Maybe they're not nice. They don't have to be nice. Luther wasn't nice. Jesus isn't nice. Do you, do you notice that? We worship a loving God. He's not nice. He plays for keeps. He calls things out. Jesus went up to the Pharisees and said they were a brood and a pit of vipers. St. Paul told his enemies that he wished they would cut their peepees off. We're not looking at nice and winsome when it comes to scripture. We worship the God that at the end of days is going to throw all of his enemies into hell for all of eternity. Don't expect nice. The word of God is called living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Not sharper than any two-edged feather for petting people and making them feel just a little giggly inside when they're sinning. No, we confront that. We are supposed to be hated by the world. Jesus has said that we will be hated by the world. There is no point in playing nice with them on account of our great passivity. God doesn't want you to be passive. He wants you to be an active Christian that has identified the gifts of the Spirit within them and uses them to the best of their ability. Now, last week during our Romans Bible study, I came out and said, yes, don't just go around being a jerk to people for the sake of being a jerk. True. We don't have to engage in polemics every single day, every single hour, poking people that we don't like. 
But for crying out loud, Christians should be involved. Christians should be doing things. And if a theologian tells you, oh, you saw something bad and complained about it to the president of your denomination, well, that just means you're wicked. You're bearing false witness. I can't believe you. You shouldn't even be in our churches. Like, did they ever say that to the actual full-throated enemies of the church that hate them? Of course not. They treat them with kid gloves. Because the real enemy to these guys is not the enemy of the church. It is not the devil. It is not the demons out there that have been making so much hay in America these days. <laughs> Lord knows we see it every day, don't we? No, that's not the enemy. The enemy is the guy that says the church should do something about it. If that's what your pastor's like, you should leave your church. By all means, try to confront him on it. Try to say that, yes, we really need to be passionate about living the Christian life. Yes, we understand that we do not play a role in our salvation. Jesus is the one who saves us. He is the one who sanctifies us. But we need to be showing real fruit on account of that. We should be passionate for this third use of the law that God has blessed us with. We should be all about that. Now, if he condemns you as one of those icky pietists, or says, oh, you've been listening to the very Lutheran project, haven't you? And you can't listen to any of this? Yeah, maybe it's time to vote with your feet. Or tithe to us here at the Very Lutheran Project instead of to that congregation. Because clearly he's not interested in shepherding the sheep in the way God has intended. We need to make sure that nobody's getting away with this anymore. And instead, that we have a Lutheranism that means it. Amen and amen.